Well, again, welcome. Uh, just let me just take a couple minutes here to set up what you're about to experience. We have a very special guest with us this weekend, Jim Krischer. Many of you saw the email this week, or maybe you were here at our, at our encounter service last night. So again, let me just set up who Jim is and, and what he does. Uh, Jim Krischer is the executive pastor at Grace Covenant Church in Chantilly, Virginia. That's in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, that church is a very large, uh, multi-ethnic, multicultural church that's similar to ours in demographic and makeup. Uh, Jim, again, his day job is there functioning as the, the day-in, day-out executive pastor, making sure stuff goes well. But he also has has sort of a larger, really national and international role within the church world of what's called Every Nation. He serves on the North American leadership team of that and travels uh, really all over the nation, really all over the world, preaching and ministering prophetically. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with that type of ministry, let me just sort of introduce that quickly. Uh, that's not considered Old Testament, capital P prophecy, you know, thus saith the Lord, and written down for eternity in Scripture. But this is more New Testament, lowercase p prophecy. You see that in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, when it talks about how God gives gifts to His people and gifts to His body. We believe in the fivefold ministry here of Ephesians 4, or that God hasn't just given to churches, pastors and teachers, those are great, and not even just evangelists, but also uh, folks who are uh, apostolic in their nature. They, 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 they start churches, extend governmental structures of the church around the world. And those are also who are prophetic. And in 1 Corinthians, again, 14, talks about lowercase p prophecy, where that it's given, not just to, in like the Old Testament, more of judgment on nations, but no, New Testament prophecy is for the encouragement of the believer, for the exhortation to live a, a godly life, and also for confirmation or comfort in your current circumstances. And so Jim prayed for many people last night, maybe take a minute here this morning, and again tonight, uh, I'll talk about that later. Uh, but Jim is a, a dear friend of this church. Uh, he was last year in 2002, that was an incredible moment actually where, uh, again, I was thinking about introducing you, and, and is this his first time here? Then it struck me, you were here in 2002 and actually led some dear friends of ours of Carrie and mine to Christ who were from England actually visiting the U.S. and gotten to know them and in a moment Jim stepped in and ministered to them and led them to Christ and we saw their lives change and so it was a, a powerful uh, testament to his heart as a, as a minister and as a friend of our church. So that's it. Introduction done. Would you guys please warmly welcome our dear friend Pastor Jim Crusher. All right. Good morning. Still morning I think. Great to be here in this great nation of Texas. Had my passport stamped as I came in and love Texas. You know how to eat meat here. That's really good. It's up in the Washington, D.C. area. That's a little bit suspect. And, you can, and, and many of you have carry permits. You can talk about guns in Texas, but can't talk about guns in Washington, D.C. People get real excited about that for some reason. But it's great to be here. I love, uh, you can tell from, from this very slow-cooked, carefully, carefully crafted dialect. I'm not originally from Washington, D.C. I'm originally from North Carolina. And so I can come to Texas, and you can understand me. <laughs> Went to Washington, and they immediately subtracted 40 IQ points once I opened my mouth. And so it's great to, it's great to be in Texas where you know how to eat. It's very important, and you understand how God's English is designed, designed to be spoken, amen, slowly, so you can understand it. Turn your Bible to the book of Genesis this morning. It is great to be here with Pastor Morgan and his family. So thrilled about what God is doing in this church. Um, you know, don't ever, take, don't ever take it for granted 
You know, you never appreciate your mama's cooking until you leave home. Those of you that went to college, I mean, all of a sudden, that college food got real common real fast. Now, I'm not talking about the new college where, you know, they've got like lattes and, you know, all kinds of, I mean, I'm talking about it was just one line, here's your meal, right? And you just did not realize how good mom's cooking was until you went away from it for a moment. And let me just encourage you, you've got, my goodness, you've got a great plate here at Mosaic. You really do. What a fabulous worship team, beautiful facility, pastor that loves you, brings his word. Don't ever overlook what you have at home. Amen? This is a strange moment that we live in. Would you agree with that? I mean, we're seeing things happen around us that, you know, my, my wife and I will look at each other occasionally, and my, I'm getting old, so I have an excuse. My wife will never get old, okay? Man, I just taught you something, so learn that, all right? But, but we look at each other occasionally, and we wonder, has everybody gone nuts? Seriously, has, has everybody's just, just jumped off the rails? And, I mean, we look around us in, in our culture and in our nation and you don't have to be the least bit prophetic or revelatory or even a Christian to look around and just say, these people are crazy. <laughs> and, we, and we look around, how do, we, how do we navigate a moment like this? And some of my prophetic friends have dubbed this the year of the whirlwind. This is Hebrew year 5775. It ends in September. And just so you'll know, the world is supposed to end again in September. You know, we have, a, we have a number of these moments where the world is supposed to come to an end, all right? But just, I mean, just things lining up, you know, we've got the four blood moons, and this is, this is one of those cycles of seven years, you know, in the Hebrew calendar, 2001, because you remember what happened then, 2008, all of a sudden things got weird. So 2015, sometime the end of September, it's all supposed to collapse one more time, all right? So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just warning you about that now. Okay, Star of Bethlehem made its first appearance in 2,000 years. Most of you missed that. There was a convergence of Venus and Jupiter at the end of June. And so there are all these things that appear to be lining up. The strangeness in the weather. I mean, we've got the Gorilla El Nino. That's upon us. I'm sorry, but that was a weatherman on crack who came up with... Who, I mean, I'm just trying to think, what marketing genius kept up with, I mean, just came up with Gorilla El Nino to describe what's getting ready to happen in the weather? Don't quite get it. But it begs the question for you and for me, how then do we live? How do we respond well in a moment like this? How, how do we let who Christ is be known in a moment of upheaval like the one that we live in. And tragically, we see people that don't respond, they just react. Now, 1999 was another one of those years when the world was supposed to come to an end. I don't know if you remember what, but that was the Y2K. Remember Y2K? That's when that there was supposed to be this massive computer glitch where all the power was supposed to go off, all the computers were supposed to self-destruct, and the rise of the machines, the Terminators, were going to come out. 
And so this was, this was supposed to be sort of the end of the world. And I had people in my church just, at that time I was pastoring in North Carolina, they just went crazy. I mean, folks with resources, they went out, they were buying thousands of gallons of propane and buying generators and cases of spam and bottled water and, you know, wheat and everything. I mean, it was, it was amazing. And some of those folk in my church, they would come to me and they would say, Pastor, are we going to store food? We should store food in this building. And I said, no. I said, I'm not going to shoot anybody when they come after our spam. It's not going to happen. This is just, it's just too weird. And so then you have people that have this whole prepper mentality of the disaster du jour that's getting ready to befall us. But how many of you know that the church has always been at its best in moments like this? If you look throughout history, it's always been in times of societal upheaval when the church has come to the forefront. When the church has said, you know what, you guys are crazy, but we've got truth in here. And I really believe the finest days and moments of the contemporary church are upon us. And congratulations, you're in the right place at the right time. Amen? Which is precisely what I want to speak to this morning. Because I was, as I was praying at the end of last year for this year, for some reason, prophetic people get real excited about calendars. Not that God has ever been impressed with man's clocks or man's calendars, but for some reason we are. So God, what are you saying for this next year? And he gave me a single word. Now, I've got friends who can grab these obscure passages of Scripture out of the Old Testament, and they can make it say things that I'm not sure God ever intended for it to say. But man, they can get more juice out of these things. It's absolutely amazing. And so God kept me in my pay grade and just gave me a single word for this coming year, and it was the word Goshen, the word Goshen. And I was like, come on, God, something a little bit more impressive here. He said, no, that's the word. And this was before the Supreme Court decision and before Planned Parenthood videos came out and all of this kind of stuff. And I didn't quite understand how important this word was going to be in this coming moment. But Goshen. Now, we know, turn to your Bible to Genesis chapter 47. Book of Genesis, first chapter in the Bible, first book in the Bible, rather. Right after where it says genuine leather, those of you who are challenged in this way, you can find it. It's very easy. But we find that Goshen was a definite geographical, historical place and entity. But I want to unpack for us in a few moments today some principles of Goshen that I think are applicable for where we are and what God wants to do with and for us. Now, we pick up in Genesis, the 47th chapter. And the background here is that we're two years into a seven-year famine. Now, if you remember, Joseph had, he was called out of captivity, he was called out of prison. Joseph kind of had a you remember Joseph in the Bible? He kind of had a tough start. Brothers didn't like him, sold him into slavery. He winds up in prison there. Pharaoh has his dreams. Some friends finally remember him. He's called before Pharaoh. He not only tells Pharaoh the dream, he interprets the dream, but he goes further than just interpreting the dream of what it meant. There was an application. There was wisdom that went with it. And, this is, and, and Joseph finds himself in the convergence of both 
prophetic and revelatory gifting along with the gift of wisdom, this is what we need to do. He finds himself the second most powerful individual on the planet. Second only to Pharaoh. Now that's not a bad gig to have. I mean, to go from prison to number two in the world, this is how God many times will just abruptly move us from one place to the next. Amen? And so here we are, and we're, we're in the, the seven years of plenty, the seven years of famine. We're in now that famine moment. Now, Joseph in Scripture in the Bible is a type of Jesus. We find in the Old Testament a number of figures, number of individuals that, if you wish, point to and prefigure Jesus in the New Testament. One, one Bible teacher says it this way, the Old Testament Christ concealed, the New Testament Christ revealed. And so we see Joseph as a type of Christ. And just keep that in mind as we look through some scripture today. But Genesis 47, we find the story where Joseph is summoned his, his family, his dad, everybody up from Canaan to join him in Egypt. And in this moment, they are appearing before Pharaoh. Introductions are made. When we find that not only in this moment does Pharaoh put them in charge of all of his livestock, but we also find that Pharaoh agrees to settle Joseph's family in the very, very best part of Egypt in Goshen. And this is how the favor of God works. And it says over in Genesis 46 that the Egyptians hated shepherds. They just didn't like them. It was a profession that was looked down upon. And yet because of the favor of God that was on Joseph, all of a sudden now, not only is his family brought up to be cared for, but they are settled in the very best part of Egypt. How many of you know that that same favor that rests on Joseph is the same favor that now rests upon you and I today. That God is looking for that favor to extend, not just to see groceries put on your table, but to see that favor extend into your extended family, into those that you work with, into your communities, your campuses, your neighborhoods. This is how favor works. Favor is intended for the Christian to be infectious. Amen? And this is what has happened here with Joseph. And he says, I'm going to settle you in the best part of the land in Goshen. Now, if we step back and look at the etymology of that word Goshen, it's very simple. It means to draw near. That's all it means. It's not one of these very complicated Hebrew words where you've got to, to dig and look at this and that and the other. It simply means to draw near. And as Joseph brought his family close to him, that's where we're going to see some principles set forth for you and I. As Christ has called you and I in proximity with him, there are some promises. Amen? And so we're going to use the word, because I need P's in my outline, we're going to take this concept of drawing near, and I'm going to call it proximity. Because we find that the protection and blessing of Jacob and his family, Joseph's dad and the rest of his, his brothers, it begins right here. Genesis 45, if you want to turn back there for a moment, verses 9 through 11. This is the brothers' second trip to Egypt to buy grain to carry back to Canaan. 
And in this moment, Joseph, it's revealed that Joseph is the brother. I mean, we have this tearful reunion. The brothers don't know if Joseph is going to have them killed. But we find that Joseph makes this overture. And he says this in Genesis 45, verse 9. Hurry back to my father and say, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. Let me say to you, in this moment, I believe that we need to move faster than we've ever moved before. So many times when we hear the voice of God, we hear the admonition from the Lord, we say, yeah, well, you know, God, get, get, uh, Gilligan's Island, you know, reruns are on Nick at night, and, you know, I got things going on, and I got student bills and all what. Let me just tell you, when God says move, move. And this, he goes on and he says this. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. There it is. You, your children, your grandchildren, your flocks, herds, all you have, I will provide for you there. He doesn't say he's going to provide for him anywhere else. What does he say? It's in that place that I'm going to provide for you. Not over there, not in South, South Dakota, not in another nation, right here. Goshen is the place where I'm going to provide for you. It's the very same thing with God. God's provision is tied to us being in that place he's prepared for us. Hold on to that thought. I'll provide for you there. Why? Because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household will become destitute. Now, that, that was not a curse. There was no curse there. He was just looking around and just reading the landscape. Let me tell you, it's not getting any better out there, but you need to come here. Now, what do we learn from this? First of all, it's being in proximity. It's encountering Christ. Why do we take so long to sing songs in this church? I mean, I remember when I was pastoring in North Carolina, we sang for an hour. And people would come in and they were like, oh, are we ever going to sit down in here? Dang, you folks sing a long time, you know. It's just like, well, because we're trying to encounter something. We're, we're trying to encounter the presence of God. And so it begins by that proximity. We encounter Christ, but we also, we experience community by being with one another. Let me say, there are aspects of God you are never going to get by yourself. Not going to happen. It's the reason that God puts a man and a woman together. Is that I see aspects of Christ in my wife I would never see in other relationships. It's why God places us in families, communities, churches, because we see facets of God we would never see unless we were together. And listen to me. Being in community, it's hard work. You know why? Because folks are aggravating. It's just the bottom line. Folks are idiots. They eat your food. They track in your, on your carpet. You've got to clean your living room once a week to have people into your house. I mean, it's just a mess. And yet, God has put us together. Amen? Our whole little dysfunctional family, he's put us together, joined us in unity. And we come together in proximity to experience him and to experience him through one another. And that is that proximity that we're speaking of. But that proximity is found in God's placement, which is my second point. Placement. Last night, we were having dinner at a restaurant, and 
this very interesting white person began to engage us. And you could tell this was a very interesting individual. And they'd be, they began to share about their life. And I'm not talking about 60 seconds. I mean 10 minutes. I mean, it was, it was really kind of an unusual encounter. And this individual has lived in almost everywhere. I mean, you mention a city, and they've lived there. And you could tell that this, this person was really, really grappling for something, but there was no sense of placement whatsoever in their life. I mean, they, you could tell they desperately were wanting to try to, to try to lock in, but it just wasn't possible for them. Why? Because they had placed themselves rather than allowing God to place them. Hear me. We live in a culture and a society today that's really transient. Folks move around. They say that uh, folk, folks live in their house now for three years on average. And so even the housing industry, the mortgage industry, the idea of the old 30-year mortgage and stay there and watch the trees grow and pay that sucker off and have a mortgage burn, those days have since come and gone. And we live in a society that's very, very transient, folk moving around all the time. But let me ask you, where has God placed you? Because where God has placed you is your Goshen. And let me say this, it's not just where you are, but it's who you're in proximity with. That's what becomes important as we define, am I where God has placed me? You see, your Goshen might not be over there somewhere. Your Goshen might be right where you are. Now, that may be real depressing for some of you today. Because you may really hate your job. You may not really like, you might not like your spouse much right now. I mean, you may really hate the apartment complex that you live in, but it's an amazing thing. What would happen if this really is where God has placed you? We use the word destiny, destiny, destiny. And we always think that destiny is somewhere else other than right here. And this whole grass is greener phenom, it's out there somewhere. What if out there is really right here right now. And yet, Christians, and particularly the flavor of Christianity that we have, charismatic Pentecostal, we tend to have migratory patterns. Following the wind of the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to get on the river of God and just let it take me. Ah, ah, I'm just going to migrate. Ooh, I heard Benny Hinn is at the Coliseum. Ooh, ooh, that new church, they've got a, ooh, they've got a new organ over there. Ah, ah. And so when we, and we migrate, we're kind of like moths to light, you know, we just kind of, we kind of float from place to place. And like the tragedy of that dear woman who was serving us last night, there's no real sense, this is my Goshen. This is where I know God has placed me in this moment. And let me just tell you, one of the biggest attacks of the devil is to try to get you off of God's Goshen, of where God has placed you. And let me tell you, it doesn't look like what you think it does. I prayed a very dangerous prayer years ago. And God and I have this very uneasy relationship about housing. He's got a real sense of humor where I'm concerned about this, all right? He likes delivering busted houses to me. I don't know what else to say, but that's just kind of his little thing with me. And so 
I was praying, was a moment trying to figure out how to get out of business and get out of debt and get into ministry and praying about finances. And whenever we pray about our finances, we're always praying supply side, aren't we? God, more money, more money, more money. I mean, but we don't ever think about the outgo side. So God says, okay, I'm going to take you at your word. And so two blocks from the church, there was this house. And I use the word house in the loosest form of the definition. Only because it's set on a residential piece of dirt. It had four walls and almost a roof on it. And just to give you some idea of this house, the rent was $250 a month. Now, this should give you some indication. Okay. And so I called about the house. And the folks said, well, you know, it's not probably not going to happen. You're number 30 on the list. And so a lot of people, they're on a waiting list. They want this house. 29 intelligent people said no. <laughs> they took one look and they ran in the other direction. And so our name comes up. Whee! And so we go to look at this house. Now it's September in North Carolina. Steam is rising off of things. High humidity. September, it's hot. And so we go to this little house. And I'm with my pastor. And it's a shotgun house. That doesn't mean anything to most of you. But it was a house, it was called a mill house. It was built around a mill. There were some very small houses, but you could look through the front door, see the back door. Two rooms on the right, two rooms on the left. And this house was never going to make an episode of Flip This House. <laughs> this house did not need a renovation. It needed a conflagration. It needed to be burned down. And we walked in the house, and I mean... It was so bad. Dogs had been raised in there. No air conditioning. The 1970s sculpted carpet with Lord knows the wildlife that was living in it. It was the, 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 the handrail going up to the porch was a bent muffler pipe. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to give you a picture of this. Tin roof, no insulation. You got it now, right? Say, say busted with me busted all right so we walk in this house and i'm thinking oh this is not gonna happen and my pastor says well this isn't so bad and i'm thinking i'm finding another church goodbye and so i thought i'll take care of this i will bring the mother of my children to come look at this dive and that will end the discussion now let me say that my wife that she's wonderful woman. She's not weird. She's not OCD or anything like that. But when we go on vacation, the last time we were there, she was standing on a chair cleaning the top of the ceiling fan blades. Oh, I just can't stay here all week looking at that. Okay, you go right ahead, baby. All right. So I'm thinking, all right, this is going to end the discussion real fast. We walk in and she says, well, this isn't so bad. And in that moment, God and I had a moment. Jehovah Jireh, oh really? This is the best you got? I couldn't believe it. This horrible, busted house was God's Goshen. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you, you got you to be kidding. The week we moved in, there was crime tape at the end of the block where a man had murdered his girlfriend with a kitchen knife. The police set up surveillance in my backyard for the drugs across the street. 
This is the house God moved me familia into. My Goshen. And for 10 years, 10 years, this is what my children remember as the home they grew up in. They rode their bikes around like it was the 1960s. Nothing was ever touched. Houses broken in on every street except ours. My cars never touched. My kids' bikes never stolen. It was amazing. And I bought the busted house. My realtor friend says, no, do not buy this house. Bought the busted house and put it back together again. But you see, many times our Goshen doesn't look right. Listen to me. We've got this idea. We've got this plan of this is what Goshen has to look like. This is what it has to be. And we miss God's provision because it's not in our plans. Oh, my. God's placement many times just it's not what we think it's going to be. Third point, where God is, he'll be there. Where he places us, his presence will be there. So many times we get in spots and we wonder, God, where are you? And God says, where are you? <laughs> Somehow we think we can be anywhere. Yoo-hoo, peepah, God, come find me. God doesn't work like that. You know what God says? I'm here. You come get here with me. That's how it always works. Now, there's a moment that God will come look for you. And that's when you're lost and you're dead and you can't help yourself. But beyond that, the rules change. You spend the rest of your existence chasing him. And so God places us somewhere, and it's in that place where God's presence is. And along with that place, there's an amazing thing called God's protection as well. How many of you know we need God's protection in this moment? We really do. And we find something distinctive about Goshen. Remember, God had a moment with Pharaoh, things falling out of the sky, and frogs and bugs and all kinds of weirdness. But we find in Exodus 89, two of those plagues, one of flies, one of hail, it says, yet in Goshen, the land was fine. It says the land in, in Exodus 8, ruined by flies. Now, I don't know what land ruined by flies looks like, but I don't want to know. But can you imagine all these folks are you know, just swatting flies and stepping on them, and then here's the, here's the boundary line, and these folks are over here. It's like life is good. The distinction between God's people and everybody else. Let me just tell you, that distinction needs to and will return to the church. The church, sadly, because we've been under the guise of being missional and we've been trying to be attractive, we don't look much different than the rest of the world anymore. But I believe God is wanting a distinction to come back to his people. And part of it has to do with protection. How many of you know there are flies in the land right now? There really are. And yet, where this line is, where God's people, is, God's people reside, in Goshen, God's placement, guess what? No hail, no flies, and unique protection for you and your household. And in Goshen, last point, there is provision. I will provide for you there according to the number of your children. Isn't that fascinating? The mandate to reproduce exists yet still for us. 
Even the provision that God wants to bring to a local church, a group of people, is, is connected to whether or not we're doing what? Having spiritual children. And God's provision is available for us in that place. There's nothing. And, and, and if we're out there, all of these benefits, the protection, the provision, and yes, even the prosperity. I hate to even mention that because it's such an overworked word to use from pulpits in the West. But I really do believe that God wants to do more than just get a roof over our head and beans on the plate. There really is a prosperity. And not just so that we can have personal bragging rights, but that we can give God the honor and the glory of saying that this is how lavishly that God has prepared for us and cares for us concurrently. Amen? But it's only available for us in God's Goshen. What have I said this morning? First of all, we need to get into proximity with God. It all begins right here. And with one another. It's why the emphasis in this house on worship, on drawing near to God in prayer, being being the son and daughter God's called you to be, And that paradox that we find in Scripture, that if you will draw near, I will draw near to you. Let me tell you, God's done His part. He's moved the third person of Himself to the inside of you and I. He's that intent on having proximity to us. But do we access that proximity? The second is God's placement. Are we carefully placed by divine placement? Or are we casually placed because it seems like the right thing to do? And let me tell you that that placement is very difficult. The devil wants to do everything he can to try to move you off and out of that place. Whether it's a marriage, whether it's a job, whether it's family, whether it's the friends that you have around you. There's always this sort of, and, and even, even at times I call it sanctified wonderlust. Where we're always kind of looking out for the next thing. But the reality is it begins with placement. Allowing God to place us, and once we get there, to stay there and not let anything move us off of it. And with that placement will be His presence. Psalm 91, dwelling in the shelter of the Most what? The Most High. But it's His shelter. It's His shelter. He's there. His presence will be where He's called us to. And in that place, there's protection and there's provision. Pray with me pastor Lord help us hear something today by the spirit Lord we live in a moment where we need to know that we know that we're in the right place at the right time God I pray for that assurance to be driven home to every man and woman here be it their placement in natural family spiritual family where you've placed them in employment or habitation. Lord, let them know, assure them, reassure them they're in the right place. God, if they're not, let them know where that Goshen is for them. And Lord, every benefit of that, your presence, your provision, your prosperity, protection, God, let all of the benefits thereof flow to this people as well. God, thank you for this great church. 
the leadership team you've assembled and are assembling here, the great plans that you have for them in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jim. You know, whenever I have someone like Jim and I... Just so you'll know, I, I give them basically a little to no information on the church. I just, I ask them to come in and trust that they'll be able to, to hear from God and to bring a word that's in season, as the Bible says. And you know, that was just an incredible setup. I mean, you, that, I know we pushed the pause button in a sense on our series today, but that, that could have just as well been the sort of bridge between last week, what you heard if you were here, and next week, what you will hear. It was just astonishing to see just a connection there uh, uh, for us. So thank you for that. You helped us today to... to to, to sense what God is doing. And you know, what, what you heard him say, the first thing was the most impact, impactful and profound thing for me, the, the idea that being in God's presence is the most practical thing you can do. That being in God's ghost and drawing near to Him in a difficult moment, in a difficult time, difficult time in your life, in our nation, that's the most practical thing you can do, is being with God. His solutions are almost always relational. They begin with Him. Thank you for being our ghost and our safe place. In every season of our lives. In Jesus' name.